BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Wednesday, December 20th, 2023. Phil Giraldi uh, is our guest. Phil, always a pleasure. Uh, welcome to the welcome to the program. You have a very, very interesting piece. I'm, I'm privileged to see a draft of it. I don't even know if it's been published yet. The working title is The Anti-Semitic Moment. But this is an issue that's like the third rail of American politics, but it has to be addressed. When someone criticizes the government of Prime Minister Netanyahu or the excessive um, uh, use of force or the slaughter uh, in Gaza, as you and I and a lot of our colleagues have done, we run the risk of being called anti-Semitic, by which that means hatred of Jews. It's all nonsense. But is this part of the plan to neutralize opposition to the Netanyahu government by tarnishing us with a, a, a brush of paint that is difficult to wash off? Well, I would say absolutely yes. Uh, there, I begin my article by quoting a former uh, Israeli government minister who said that uh, it's pretty simple. This is, this is all a trick. Uh, that if the United States is saying or doing something or American citizens are saying or doing something that Israel does not like, uh, the anti-Semitism label comes out almost immediately. And you're seeing right now in the media a flood of articles about anti-Semitism surging and so on and so forth. These articles are very light on evidence. Uh, if, uh, if some uh, Palestinian is maybe standing in front of Columbia University and, and protesting about what the Israelis are doing to his people, I find that legitimate free speech. But if a, if a Jewish student is offended, that becomes an anti-Semitic incident. And uh, this government minister also said that they have the same tool that they use, or a similar tool, uh, when dealing with the Europeans. If the Europeans come out with anything that Israel uh, finds offensive or disagrees with, uh, they immediately cite the Holocaust. And that has the same dampening effect that accusing Americans of being anti-Semites uh, in that uh, the history, obviously, of uh, Europe and the Jews uh, lends itself to this kind of accusation. But basically, this minister was saying this is all a trick. And I think if you follow what's going on in the media, uh, you will see that that's exactly what's going on. It's being utilized as a tool 
to silence criticism of Israel while Israel is, is carrying out a genocide. I don't think there's any doubt about that against the Palestinians. What is anti-Semitism? Well, this is, of course, the, the, the trick element to it. Uh, historically speaking, anti-Semitism was um, what hatred or dislike of Jews. And I would agree that's a legitimate, uh, a, a legitimate critique of those kinds of views. And, uh, but what's happened is that in the last, uh, let's say, decade, um, this has been extended to not be just hatred or dislike of Jews. It's anything that's critical of the state of Israel. And the reasoning behind used behind this is that, oh, Israel is the Jewish state. Well, you know, Israel, uh, there is no such thing as a religious state in a lot of ways. And the fact is that uh, Israel is a state... Um, if you want to call it that, that discriminates against other religions. So if you want to go down that road, you're getting into another mess. But the point is that calling Israel the Jewish state and Zionism the uh, manifestation of that, they've turned Zionism, criticism of Zionism and Israel uh, into a hate crime. And they're utilizing it in the same way, that this is a way of of, uh, of eliminating the uh, the criticism. And then they uh, they take that hate crime and use it to silence people. So if uh, students at Columbia University or the University of Pennsylvania want to chant out loud, from the river to the sea, Palestine shall be free, a, a legitimate form of political protest, in my view, absolutely protected political speech. The powers that be that run the levers of government that give money to uh, universities want to threaten the universities unless they punish the students for saying that. On the other hand, if the if Jewish students were to say, from the river to the sea, greater Israel shall be, there obviously is either indifference or applauding to it. Question. How dangerous is it when the government puts its thumb on the freedom of speech in order to enhance the government's narrative and suppress the government's critics? Yeah, well, that's uh, that's exactly what it's doing. It's in a, it's in effect defining an issue in such a way as to get the answer that it wants to get. Now, I I would point out, for example. Uh, there's been a lot of mouthing coming out of the White House and from Congress about how um, uh, anti-Semitism and Islamophobia are both terrible things. Well, the reality is that Palestinian and Muslim groups complaining about what's going on in Palestine are getting shut down at the universities and closed, uh, starting at the University of Florida, when Ron DeSantis was one of the first ones to shut down Palestinian organizations for for giving their own viewpoint. Now it's extended to Rutgers and it's extended, I believe, to the University of Pennsylvania. And uh, only, only the Muslim and Palestinian groups are getting shut down. I haven't seen a single report of a Hillel House 
at a major American university getting shut down for supporting what Israel is doing. So this is being run in a very one-way direction. And the whole narrative is being shaped in a one way that uh, puts all the onus on on the Palestinians, where whereas we know there's been history of this going back uh, 76 years with people being kicked out of their homes and killed in villages and 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 so on and so forth. Uh, certainly the, the Palestinians then that receiving in. And of course, there, there's been violence against uh, uh, the, the Israelis, the Jewish Israelis, too. So let's try to get some balance on this story. Is uh, Israel uh, losing the PR war uh, when you see on the um, Internet women and children being slaughtered, hospitals being uh, destroyed, schools being uh, demolished, uh, mosques and Catholic churches being uh, wrecked? And the newest low, Phil, I know you have experience in the military. I would defy anybody to tell me how this is a legitimate military objective. Bombing cemeteries. Yeah, and I think there have been two incidents in particular. Well, I think uh, Israel has lost uh, the struggle to present its case in, in a sympathetic way. This is been demonstrated by votes in the United Nations and opinion polls. Opinion polls in the United States are running uh, strongly in some demographics against Israel. So this is a real thing. And there are two things in the past week that I think were devastating to the, Israel's reputation. Uh, first one was where uh, the three Jewish hostages who managed to escape from Hamas and had basically stripped down to show that they were carrying no weapons and their hands were up in the air and they were holding a white flag and Israeli soldiers killed all three of them. These were Jewish hostages and they were clearly no threat to the soldiers. So this is normal routine on what's going on in Gaza. People are being shot just because of what they maybe appear to be. Uh, so that was one of them. And the other one was, of course, the only Catholic church in Gaza. Uh, there was a mother and a daughter, both Catholics who were sheltering in, in part of the church, and Israeli snipers got them in their sights and shot them both dead. Were they a threat? The Pope even complained about that, and the Pope has been somewhat dif uh, diffident about um, saying things about Israel. Uh, even the Pope got into it. But how can the Israelis... We know they're losing the PR war because these um, images are horrific. But from the perspective of uh, Defense Minister Gallant or Prime Minister Netanyahu, how could they possibly defend things like uh, killing three of their own hostages, one of whom they had to chase for a while before they got him? These were all uh, young men in their 20s, the three of them. How can they defend snipers killing a mother and a baby under any circumstances? How can they defend uh, bombing a cemetery unless it's just to cause heartache in the heart's of those whose uh, loved ones are, are buried there. I mean, this behavior, A, is indefensible, and B, do you hear anybody in the American government condemning this? Anybody? 
Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Well, a couple progressives in the Democratic Party, to their credit, uh, have have said things and and been come down hard by uh, the the leadership of the party because of that. And and I would also add to what you just said the uh, the the one um, uh, hostage that they had pursued to kill was yelling help to them in Hebrew. I mean, this is incredible. This defies any kind of conception of humanity of 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 uh from you know i i served in the military uh and and this is a this is a military that is out of control that has been told just to go and kill people and what's not even being reported at all in the uh, united states media and european media is what's going on on the west bank where we have settlers being given automatic rifles and they're going around and shooting Palestinians. I believe the number is two to 300 uh, have been killed. And there have been thousands of, of arrests, arrests where there have been uh, uh, no charges. These are just detaining people for the sake of detaining them because uh, maybe they looked at a soldier the wrong way uh, or said something that uh, how terrible it is uh, what's going on in, in Gaza. I mean, this is, this is inhumanity at a level that we have not seen uh, maybe since the Second World War. The um, machine guns that you talk about are automatic weapons. So it's not one trigger pull and one round. It's one trigger pull and the rounds come out as a fusillade for as long as you hold your finger down. Such devices are unlawful everywhere in the United States of America. However, they are manufactured in the United States of America for police and for the military, and the Biden administration authorized manufacturers of them to sell them, well, sell them to Israel. They deliver them to Israel, and they send the bill to the Defense Department. So the, the, the anti-gun Joe Biden uh, has given machine guns to Israeli civilians uh, with which to uh, slaughter Palestinians in the West Bank, and that's exactly uh, what's going on there. How much longer do you think this can last before it results in some intervention, some military intervention on the part of um, government actors uh, in the region? That's a difficult question to answer because I think you have to 
uh, consider what might be potential further actions on the part of Israel that would precipitate a response. Now, I think uh, one thing we're, we're, we're looking right in the face right now, you have nearly 2 million people, the full population of Gaza are displaced and most of them are crowded down near the Egyptian border. Now, if Israel were to force or were to force the or, or to turn open the border, force open the border and force a lot of these people into the Sinai and into Egypt, Egypt would have to respond in some way. And I'm not sure what that would uh, constitute. And the other thing I'm looking at very closely is there's a lot of rhetoric going on coming out of the Israeli government uh, talking about what they're going to do uh, to Lebanon. Uh, and uh, Lebanon is clearly a potential player in this situation. And uh, there's been some shooting back and forth across the border. And there have also been uh, regular attacks by the Israeli Air Force on, uh, on, on uh, Syria, on Damascus Airport, Aleppo Airport. And they've also claimed to be hitting targets that are Iranian targets inside Syria. So this, this kind of, these situations can easily escalate. And uh, um, certainly Lebanon has, uh, has formidable military resources that beat the Israelis once not so long ago when the Israelis were occupying the southern part of the country. And uh, Iran is also formidable. So this could go in all kinds of different directions. And uh, it seems that the Israelis are relying on the U.S. as being their trump card and I use that word Trump advisedly, right. uh, to, to basically, you know, intervene on their behalf and fight a war for them. And that this is where it really gets scary, because the United States is already in this up to its eyeballs. It's uh, providing money, it's providing weapons, it's providing political cover, probably the most important element here. And uh, the United States wouldn't be uh, going too much farther to actually actively intervene, especially given the rhetoric coming out of the Pentagon and coming out of Joe Biden. Do you see uh, American troops on the ground uh, fighting Israel's, fighting with the IDF against Israel's enemies? There are already American troops on the ground in advisory capacities. Uh, and uh, the, the question is, when did the, does advisory become a little more active? I think there was one press report uh, I don't know how credible it was that that said that some of the early um, Israeli army interventions into Gaza right after October 7th, that they had American special forces advisors accompanying them to kind of take a look at the terrain and what was going on. I don't know how true that is. Can Israel defeat Hamas or is Hamas an idea? that cannot be destroyed by force of arms. Yeah, Hamas is an idea that has grown infinitely stronger as a result of the Israeli repression. It puts the Israeli treatment of the Palestinians and the dehumanizing of the Palestinians and the genocide that's being conducted against them, puts it all right on the front page. And uh, this is basically uh, something that will go on, will be in the minds of many people in the Middle East and elsewhere, uh, even if Israel succeeds in killing what they consider to be 
most of the, the Hamas actual fighters. This will continue. This will be in people's heads. As we speak, the leader of Hamas, name escaping me, uh, is in Egypt uh, negotiating with President al-Sisi. I mean, what do you think he's negotiating for, for the Palestinian people to be accepted in Egypt, for Egypt to use force of arms to expel the IDF from Gaza? What can al-Sisi and the Egyptians do for Hamas? Yeah, well, that's it. There are a couple of options, one might might say. And, uh, and certainly the Egyptians uh, have a capable military. Uh, and again, this is where you have to look at the backstory. The backstory in this case is that the United States uh, subsidizes the, the Egyptian government and the Egyptian military and security services to the tune of more than $2 billion a year. And that money basically is there on the table so that Egypt maintains uh, at least a peaceful relationship or a functional relationship with Israel. Now, this, this whole thing can be thrown out of kilter, and suddenly you have an active enemy on your southern border that has to be reckoned with. So this is uh, something that might come out of it. But the question, of course, is what do you do with these two million displaced people? Uh, you really have to be considering some kind of uh, statement that gives these people legitimacy, that gives them some hope for the future, and gives them uh, uh, some kind of government that uh, can deal with Israel, um, I hate to say it, but as a partner, where basically they're occupying the same land. Uh, the question is, how do we make this a decent relationship where the uh, uh, Palestinians are treated with respect and that are, are, are given the right to you know, govern themselves? This is, this is key to the whole problem. And, uh, some of some of the the numbskulls of Washington, even on occasion, recognize this. The um, I'm going to switch gears slightly and and take a bigger picture look with you, if I can. The war in Ukraine is over. The American government is not going to give uh, President Zelensky any more money. Uh, those of our colleagues who know about this kind of stuff have told us that maybe there there's another month's worth of supplies and cash in the pipeline. But beyond that, he's pretty much on his own. President uh, uh, Putin knows this. The uh, war in Gaza has reached the horrific depths that you have just so described. Uh, the American government says uh, we're wedded at the hip to Israel. We're its best friend. Uh, and we're going to help um ukraine for as long as it takes what if any lessons has the government learned in 2023 from these two wars well the lesson actually goes back longer than that uh i would i would place the the complete um i don't know self-destruction of democracy and republicanism in America, uh, certainly back to uh, the consequences of 9-11 and the war on terror. This is when we went completely off the rails in terms of self-designating the United States 
as the rule maker for the rest of the world and the sheriff who will restore order. This was nonsense from the beginning and continues to be nonsense. The United States should only use force, should only go to war in situations where it is actually threatened and where the use of force is actually a solution to the problem. If the United States had used that standard when first getting involved in Ukraine, it would have backed off immediately and done its best to reconcile the two parties. The United States, if using the same standard in dealing with Israel and its neighbors, uh, had pursued the same objectives, you might have a very different Middle East in which people can actually uh, coexist. Um, but the United States has always seen the simple solution, uh, find some proxy that can be called a greatest friend and ally. We have so many of these greatest friends and allies. And uh, the fact is that none of these uh, none of these situations warranted any of this action based on America's actual self-interest. America should be helping Americans who are facing a lot of issues right now. And instead, they're looking for wars to fight overseas. And what do we do? We don't spread democracy. We spread uh, violence and death. Neither of us is a fan of Henry Kissinger, but he had a point when he said it's dangerous to be uh, an American uh, enemy. It's fatal to be and rely on uh, America as a friend. Yeah, you had that right. Bill Giraldi, always a pleasure, uh, my dear friend. I hope we see you again before the end of the year, but I don't think we'll see you before Christmas. So Merry Christmas to you, to your family, to your friend behind you. It gets a lot of attention from our uh, our viewers, your wonderful dog. And uh, thanks for coming on with us. All the best. Well, Merry Christmas to you and to, and to all our friends out there watching this. I mean, these are dire times for all of us, and it's important that all of us kind of figure out what it's about, and pull together. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you've been helping us do that. Thank you, Phil. We'll see you next week. Coming up at 4 o'clock, Mike Benz on some of the craziness that the CIA is up to, and you won't believe what some of it is, and it has to do with rock music. 4 o'clock Eastern. Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.